This week, we begin in Fort Bend County, where competent police work solves a 22-year-old cold case. Then, we move north to Richardson, where coercive control leads to a tragic demise. Welcome to episode 38 of Texas 1031. I'd say at least 10 different witchy shops. There's candle shops. There's like fake elf ear shops. What? What? No, I can't. I can't do that because then I'll turn into one of those girls that walks around with like a foxtail and ears. Which is why I haven't bought one yet. Oh my God. I think I might buy one this year because I said that last year and I said the year before. I've always wanted one. one. We'll be the Arwen twins. We'll be like the Shining but Lord of the Rings. This is Cassie and Hannah. This is Texas 1031, and this is a Texas true crime podcast mm-hmm. where we cover lesser-known murder cases that have occurred in Texas. Uh, Cassie is first this episode, but before we start, is there anything you want to talk about, mention, rant, recommend, all of the above, things and stuff? Um, For me, yes. I posted something on our 1031 Instagram feed. Um, yes. It was a video, and you I knew. So cute, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I try. I almost did it while I was like peeing, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I've done that." I, yeah, I've totally almost not. Yeah. Just kidding. Because if you if you position it correctly, no one can tell right, there are right. towels behind you, right? Or, like, or they can paper. like hear you peeing, or, right? Yeah. yeah, I've had to delete many a video because I forgot that like you <laughs> can hear a video. peeing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's basically, natural, it's fine. I kind of wanted to feel people out and see how our Harris County listeners would feel about a meetup during an early voting date. Um, Early voting begins in Texas on October 22nd, which is a Monday. I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, it extends um, into Saturdays. So I believe early voting is on Saturdays. I think it's a much shorter window, like a four or five hour window. Like the 20th? Or the following. The following. Okay. So it would be closer to Halloween, which would be even better. So maybe like the 24th, which, oh, that's November. That's a Wednesday. Or yeah, I'm sorry, the 27th. Yeah. Um, once I get those, because I tried to look that up today, and I think since it's so early, I don't think the uh, polling places have been posted yet. But mm-hmm. what the general idea is, is that we all meet up at a bar that is semi-close to a polling place because during early voting, you can vote at any polling place in your uh, county, which is very useful because usually what I do, I'm on my route for the day for work. I navigate myself to a polling place, stop off, do it, boom, done. Um, It's super easy. It's not crowded. Um, So our idea would be to meet up at a bar near a polling place have a few drinks, you know, discuss the podcast, discuss whatever, honestly, just be a safe place for a group of people. Mm -hmm. And then we all caravan in our own vehicles 
um, and go to this polling place and no judgment, no discussion of Paul. Honestly, I would love to keep it as nonpartisan as possible. No discussion of politics. Um, If it happens to where everyone is for one candidate or everyone is for another, that discussion is we don't want it to be a hostile place is basically what I'm getting at. So if you want to early vote, if you want to vote, and you're like me where it's kind of a nerve-wracking thing you're anxious it's or you're like me where you're like i don't even know what's happening right. yeah <laughs> or if you've never done it before yeah. if you're un- inexperienced like this would be a safe way to bring a group of people together michael and just vote some people can go into the democrat line some people can go into the republican line i don't think there's a specific line for independence in primaries like this or I just in thought a, you like walked into a booth and checked off your thing and that was it i didn't there think there were lines they separate you from of Democrats course they do of course yes Sorry. and the democratic line in my experience and i'm hoping it's much different this time around but the democratic line is much shorter i've never had to wait the Republican line it is Texas. wraps around the fucking building. So that's OK. We'll wait for okay. you we when wait you're done. You. Yes. And we can all if we decide to, if we got it done quick enough, you know, whatever. We can go back to the bar. Just right. We want to we'll make all this a bond f- about beer, yeah. not about politics. At Do yes. your civic duty. Be a good contributor to the country. That's all whatever. we want. Yeah, yeah. we don't. I like I've said it before and I'll say it again. I would love for everyone to align with my specific political mm-hmm. beliefs. But that's just not going to happen. So what I really want is people, our listeners, especially the young people, especially the non-voters in previous elections, me to come out and do it. Yeah. Yeah. And we just checked Hannah. Hannah. I almost said Hannah. (laughs) We just checked Hannah's registration. uh, And she's good to go. We had to do a couple loopholes. But yeah, check some shit out. We're recording on the last day you're eligible eligible to register. Um, But my boyfriend and Hannah will be in this category as well, are registered to vote at an address. Yeah, different addresses. For their old, for their old, ad, their old house or whatever. But that address is reflected on their driver's license. You're good. You're still good to vote. Well, that was Brennan's. Mine is that I was registered to vote under my old address, but I actually changed my address. Right. And so it fucked it up even further. So you can still do it. You won't be able to by the time you listen to this, but hopefully, right. fingers crossed, you did. Yeah, and, and honestly, if if we if I'm wrong and we go to the polling right. place and Hannah can't use her old ID with her register, I really don't think it's going to be an issue. But They'll if it is, know. it's honest to God the effort that counts. Right. If you, you want up. to put the effort forward, you want to like this is important no matter what side you're voting for. So that's what I'm going to say. Um, please, 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 please. Email us, Texas1031podcast at gmail.com. Go to our Facebook no page. No spaces, no capitalization, no result. Just <laughs> spelled out. Just, uh, go to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter, and let us know if this is something you'd be interested in. And then let us know your general area. Um, honestly, if no one's interested, Hannah and I yeah, have a couple of friends go. that we're going to go. Yeah, we're going to do this on Are we going to do it Monday? Um, honestly, if it, it, it'll depend, it might be, if it's something that we can do just like me, you and Kelsey and like Jamie, yeah. it would be on a Monday for okay, sure. That's fine. Yeah. I'm off. So if this is something that you guys want to do together with all of us, it will honestly take us 10 minutes at the polling place. So this could be, if you can carve out an hour of your night, if Saturday doesn't work for both Hannah and I, we could do I'm it on a, a Monday or Tuesday. If we can carve out an hour, come together and vote. Or if no one wants to do this, like just 
pledge to us that you vote. Yeah. I don't know. We let just, us know that you're doing it. Like, yeah. let us know that you're going to be involved. That's the, like we said, the thought that counts. And yeah. we're, if you're, if you're going to be there, you get to motorboat Cassie. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> she literally just said, right. Just, I, I, I was, didn't even yeah. pay attention. I was opening my wine. Sure. So. It's fine. Vote Cassie? That's what you yeah, said? Yeah, yeah. Right? I said motorboat Cassie. Motorboat. But... I thought you said vote Cassie. Nope. So, yeah, even better. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an incentive. I'll gladly offer up. No, I won't. But. The, the, <laughs> the bounties within. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Bounty paper towels. Please let us know if you want to come vote with us. Yes. Most likely on the 22nd, Monday of October. Um, And have a beer with us and yeah. vote whatever you want to vote and no let it be done. Yep. Um, otherwise I'm good to go. I don't have okay. any, I'm not listening or watching or reading anything. I'm so, yeah. uh, suction cup to my school textbooks right now mm. that it's unreal. And that's about it. Well, luckily your school shit is like cool as fuck and it's a very interesting show. Actually, I have something to say. Um, I don't really like guys right now. Guys, take note that um, y'all should do better. And if a girl is showing effort and interest in you, reciprocate, you know, like be cool, man. That's all I'm saying. Just be nice, you know, like be if you see... I don't know. I'm a cute girl. I'm smart. Yep. If you have no, a girl guys, like that really in your life, appreciate it. Don't be a D-bag. Yeah. Just saying. Oh. Personal and note. As she said, I'm a cute girl. I was thinking about this um, little newspaper that we were in. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, called the Houston Chronicle. <laughs> oh my God. We are so lame. We totally forgot. Yeah. For some reason, our picture out of all the beautiful podcasters. Oh, the worst. Yeah. Like our, our picture where we're both like... Self-conscious, right. holding our breath. <laughs> it doesn't... We don't look great. Well, I think Cassie looks beautiful. And I think you look great. I, oh, my God. And when he... But your eyes are so, like, glistening. Oh, and your there. hair. She, he made your hair, like, actually look like it existed. I don't see it. I see... I see it. I see that kid on Stranger Things. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I see your hair, and it, you look like a... You look like a tough-ass Badass. And I, I look, look like, like I'm, I'm unsure. I have a question mark over I am. Oh my god, we both think the opposite of each other. Cool. So anyway. we're great. Cool. We are very healthy yes, in our uh, self worth. It's fine. Uh, yeah, we, yeah, were, we were in the Houston Chronicle. Chronicle. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just snorted. Um, yeah, no, it was super lame. Cassie texted me, and I woke up, and I was like, "Oh fuck." Okay, so no, you didn't say "oh fuck." She just texted me back. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, I did. So, uh, was it Jessica from 1096 Crime Chicks had, like, messaged you on Twitter? Um, my, basically, mother-in-law told me that it existed because she read it at, like, 7 in the morning. She oh, said okay. she I thought it was nearly fell out of her chair. Twitter. But then there was another, yeah, ten, yeah. one of the 1096 Crime Chick chicks. Amy, Amy or Jessica? I, or I think it was Amy. Amy. Yeah. Yeah, but she said, because they're in it, they're featured yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, they're in it as well. And so they were like, hi, did you see this shit? Like, Because <laughs> yeah. none of us, we No, we thought, never got alerted about anything. Yeah. Like, hey, girl. We had no idea it would be in the paper. We thought it was just this little thing that was on yeah. the internet and it's like, cool, Rich Two Marini, weeks ago. great writer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nope, we were in the paper. So yeah. that was fucking cool. If you picked up the Houston Chronicle last oh Thursday, you saw us on the front fucking yeah the little thing and then okay so i'll tell you my story so i went uh you were we were messaging each other i got dressed 
and I was like, you were like, I'm going to be at HEBs today. I'll pick some up. And I was like, okay, well, I need to get some for my family. So I'm just going to go to Kroger. Like, that's the first thing. Because I was like, Fiesta, they're not going to have shit. No. And so I went to Kroger and literally they had four copies <laughs> left. And I was like, I wanted to get four. So I was like, oh, this is a sign. <laughs> and uh, numbers all the way. And so I go into the like self-checkout area. And I was like, um, are the papers free? Like, I straight <laughs> I was like, how much is he's like, the price is on him. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like two bucks or whatever. And so I literally am like, like ringing him up. And he was like, is there a reason why you're buying all these papers? And I was like, yeah, that's fucking me right there. I was like, straight up. I'm in the paper. He was like, oh, my God, can I have your autograph? I was like, yes, you can. And I literally like signed his hand. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, my God. I was like, you don't even know what I'm doing right now or who I am. But he was like, cool, man. That's amazing. Yeah, he didn't. I didn't know you actually gave him an autograph. Oh, I thought yeah, you just yeah. asked to be like fun. No, no, no. Yes, I was really hoping when I, because I finally I went to two HEBs. I'm gonna cut all that out. It was so embarrassing. No, 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 no! <laughs> don't cut it out because it's hilarious. Because I'm about to say something more embarrassing. Because okay. I went to two HEBs, then a gas station. I finally found two copies, which is what I wanted: one for myself, one for my parents, and because my parents-in-law basically because your boyfriend uh, doesn't care Brennan. Well, yeah he he actually doesn't care which Brennan. is sad but my parents-in-law already had one and um i went to the counter and i kind of expected her to be like why are you buying two newspapers and she didn't ask bummer yeah, it was such a bummer because i wanted to be like look at me i know i was like okay this is gonna be like the cool moment and yeah. then it actually turned into a cool moment but like not really because he Obviously wasn't a listener. Right, right, right. It was just like, oh, do, 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 you know. But we've gotten a couple of new reviews, so I feel like we've got them well, and we from like the newspaper. We got movie. like uh, at least like 10 other follows. Yeah. I don't want to say that. Whoa, whoa. 10 Ooh. other follows on Instagram. Well, that's a lot for us. Yeah, you're right. Oh, and Small should we potatoes. talk about our milestone? Oh, yeah, you guys. guys. Big milestone. Guys. We got our first one-star review. Guys, we've made it. <laughs> I texted her. I was like, oh, my God, look at us hitting it big. Jackpot. This yeah, segment we that we made do it. is literally the reason they gave us a one star. They're like, ugh, they're rambling yeah, exactly. gross. Yeah. No, we made it a year without a one star review. And then we finally got one after we were in the Houston Chronicle, which, girl, whoever left it, I don't blame you. I would have left a one star review as well. Especially if they like started from like the ice spot killer fucking episode or they only listen start from to the like beginning the with me just like minutes. Minutes. Yeah. yeah no like start I, from episode 37 <laughs> yes perfect <laughs> <laughs> just kidding no okay so this girl i used to work with this will make you laugh really hard oh my god there's so much to cut out um so this girl i used to work with she was like super hot she was into witchy stuff we were like doing like kind of like fun like occulty like we would go to like some cool curiosity shops out of these places. She was nice. super babe. Her name is Morgan. Hello. Oh, um, um, pretty blonde, big boobies. From your Instagram, maybe. Uh, no, no, no. That's a uh, girl starts with a name with J. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Okay, okay. No, oh, she. I know her name. She's now. super teeny tiny. She has a lot of tattoos. She's beautiful. Fuck her. But anyway, just kidding. Love you, Morgan. <laughs> um, but she was really fun. Uh, but she moved to Austin. I guess sort of ish this year. And I was telling her that I'm going to uh, or she messaged me and she she saw the post that I did about the newspaper and she was like, oh, my God, what's your podcast name? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, well, I'm going to be in Austin. I'm going to go to this Oddities and Curiosities Expo in around Thanksgiving with Shay. And yeah, I was like, yeah. she was like, oh, OK, I want to go. And because like we kind of bonded over that stuff. We got some like witch books together and like 
organs and bones and things like that. And then we stopped working together, so we kind of lost touch. <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> I don't know why I think this is so funny, because it's like our most obnoxious question. What's our most obnoxious question that we get, Cassie? That we get? Mm-hmm. As a podcast, what is the question that we get the most? Oh, fuck. What case will we not cover? Oh, my God. Are you going to cover fucking Dean Coral? <laughs> yes. She no. Goes, What's your opinion on Dean Coral? And I was like, Ugh. I can give you my opinion, but I'm not going to fucking research it. Right. I think I said something like, I mean, the story's rad, but it's super overrated. Right. That's literally about it. And it's not overrated. because It's not. It's boys, great. It's, t- it's but terrible. It's but overweighted. it's overweighted. It's, oh, yeah. It's been done. It's overrated so for well. us to even. Like, I can't believe I couldn't because I haven't thought of him in right. a while because. That's yeah. just, I don't want to think about that. Yeah, exactly. It's horrifying. Yeah. Well, we're just, um, you know, letting people know why we got that we one star review. Yeah. Then one person was like, what was it? It was like chatty and uninformed or something like that. Sloppy. That's and what it was. Sloppy. Chatty and sloppy. Or yeah. It's like, listen past this episode. Skip. There's, okay. the, there's the skipping button. It's called start from episode eight, everyone. Corey and Cervantes, sorry, beer, blood, in the bayou. We covered it first. Ah, All right, go ahead. Cool. So <laughs> this week um, we had a suggestion from a friend of the pod. It's uh, <laughs> a, a pod save America thing. Oh, it Pulling is. Pulling it straight oh, there. Sorry, Bobby, oh, you didn't mean to hit you. I, oh. But um, he messaged me on Facebook, his girlfriend slash wife. She's his wife. All right, we used to work with them. Yeah, we love them dearly. Um, and she started listening to the podcast, and so he messaged me, and he was like, hey, I've seen your posting about this. I didn't realize it was, like, true crime. I didn't realize exactly what it was. Um, and I'm not going to mention his mention his name because it is so personal, mm-hmm. um, but he sent me the story of his grandmother's murder. So I wanted to immediately jump on that and do it and really do it justice. Um So this is the story of Mina Ann Bomar. In 1989, Mina Ann Bomar worked as the assistant vice president at the Texas Commerce Bank. She was 51 and a mother of three living in Sugar Land, Texas. On September 14th, her life was stolen from her. Mina was expected to meet her mother that evening, but never arrived. An intruder entered her home beat her in the head and face, strangled her to death, and then dumped her body in an abandoned building near Derry Ashford in Sugarland. Oh, my God. She was reported missing um, and was found two days later on September 16, 1989, in that same building. A fingerprint was found on the window of Mina's home, or a window of Mina's home, and DNA evidence was recovered from inside her body, so she had mm. been sexually assaulted. Jesus. Um, but otherwise, Sugarland police were kind of at a loss. Um, they questioned her ex-husband. They had been divorced and separated at the time of the murder, and they even questioned one of her oldest sons as if he had perpetrated the crime. Nevertheless, the case went cold. So fast forward to December of 2002, a whole 22 years later. DNA technology had kind of caught up just enough to connect um, 
this murder of Mina Ann Bomar to a Harris County inmate. Detective Billy Bowe is responsible for connecting the DNA evidence to inmate Richard Allen Howe. So what happened is we all know Sugarland is not Fort Bend County is a is a it's a smaller county. Harris County is obviously huge, but Fort Bend County has like um it's pretty big. I mean yeah. Sugarland's a good size. But this police officer, this detective was kind of on the cold cases and he saw this. He saw that there was luckily preserved DNA evidence and he was like, Fuck yeah, we're gonna test this shit. We're gonna figure this out and they got lucky enough so he was assigned to mina's case in 2002 and went i believe so okay and the i got all of this information off of four different articles plus a forpin county you know like criminal record shit and there's nothing else on it um even the friend that we um got this case suggested from Mm -hmm. he was very 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 young six years old when this happened so he doesn't know much about it and i did not want him to ask any of his family members and reopen a wound for a podcast so um basically we're we're just kind of gonna go off what hannah said like billy bow was or bow was assigned to the cold cases cases assigned to this crime figured out the DNA evidence had kind of come up and it was viable. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, connected it to Richard Allen Howe, who was serving a 17 and a half year sentence in um, Harris County for a sexual assault that he committed on October 14th, 1993. Of course he was. Mm-hmm. So he had also been sentenced to 10 years Prior to that, in Travis County, beginning in 1991, for a 1990 kidnapping. Don't but he do was the... paroled in Austin. Yep, I was about to say. You motherfuck. Don't do the math on that uh, parole. Don't do the math on that yet, because we're going to talk about it. We have Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no. So cause... 1991, Travis County. Yes. Kidnapping. Mm-hmm. How and old was the child? Three sexual assault. <sighs> yeah. Two years for uh, kidnapping? Huh? Sorry. So... When Sugarland police confronted Howe about the crime, um, he initially denied knowing Mina Bomar. Of course he did. But, and we're going to, this is a shorter case, um, just so you all know, because we are kind of breezing through it a little bit, but we have important things to say at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, on December 21st, 2009, so the DNA evidence linked him in 2002, and it wasn't until 2009 mm-hmm. that Judge Jim Schumach Sentenced how, yes, sentenced how to life imprisonment. Good. So during the trial, more than 20 witnesses were called to testify to the nature of the sexual assault that he committed in his past crime that he had been persecuted for, prosecuted for, whatever. Um, plus the uh, murder of Mina. Um, so they cross-referenced, you know, different red herrings, different things. And we're not even a red herring. I'm, I'm fucking this up a little bit just because I'm nervous and I want to do well for our friend. But they cross-referenced different. Well, they had his fingerprint from the window. You. Yes. Yeah. They had semen from her rape versus yes. his other rape, And that was all, of course, put into play. Uh-huh. Um, so initially, Richard, who was 31 at the time of what? the murder. 31. Oh, we have my thoughts God. about that. Um, he pled not guilty, but four days into the trial, How after hearing so... the 20 witnesses corroborating his sexual, sexual, that's the word I was looking for, corroborating, sexual assault with Mina's murder, um, plus the DNA and fingerprint evidence, he changed his plea to guilty and also waived his right to an appeal. 
So he was sentenced to, like I said, life imprisonment. Well, you said 20 witnesses? 20 witnesses. And not witnesses to the crime, but medical examiners, DNA experts. Oh, oh, okay. um, I was like, I thought you meant like eyewitnesses. His other Harris County right, right, right. trial, okay. yeah. So it was just an amalgamation of people saying, "No, good word. I love that word. I never know how to use it." Just like good one. Yeah. Thank you so much. Like you're tossing a salad together, amalgamate. Love a good toss salad. He is now in jail currently for this crime. I couldn't find the exact jail. I couldn't find anything except for his early release date. Girl, you don't know how to look up this shit, my Um, I looked it up and I logged into. Fucking Harris County, Fort Bend. I made accounts. I couldn't look shit up without having no. a, um, what's it called? You go like to the Texas number. Department of Criminal Justice, online offender search, H-O-W-E, O-W-E, yeah, correct? Yep, yep. Richard? Allen. Richard Allen. Let's see, Hannah might find this, because I really I did. I, I spent three hours right last here. night looking, what? Date of birth, 9-10-1958. Uh-huh. Maximum sentence date is life sentence. He is in the Styles facility. Parole eligibility for is at, oh, wow, not that far from now, 12-20-24. Uh, these are his offenses. Kidnapping in 1990, sexual assault in 1993, and capital murder in 1989. Cool. So I went through the actual <laughs> county websites and tried to get this shit, and I had a bunch of hoops to jump through, and I couldn't do it. I never once looked at the entire state. Texas thing. Department of Criminal Justice. Nope, didn't TDCJ.com yeah. or .gov, sorry, or whatever. Didn't sorry, I didn't that. mean to, like, be a no, bitch, but no, that, no, there no, you no. go. That's how I get all my, like, unit information. Yeah. So we know that he is still in jail. He's not dead yet, motherfucker. And he is unfortunately up for parole. But I believe his parole, I think that might be wrong, or maybe his parole is up well, for one of his crimes. I think... That might be like the soonest that he might be able to get a hearing. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? It's not like he'll like, get it right then. I think I read that he got life imprisonment without parole. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, like but you I said, it might be so. a different I, I uh, one sure. of his multiple crimes. Yeah. And we might do a mini episode with the person that suggested mm-hmm. this um, because he was six years old, like I said, when Mina was murdered, but he was 28 when Richard Allen Howe was prosecuted for this um but moving on to what i could get since he was so young and i did not want him to pester his family um about this at all so mina was a kind and loving woman she was smart and successful i mean fucking obviously she was the vice president at a bank so assistant vice president that's still that's High up there for a woman, especially in the, 80s, in the yeah. late 80s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She fucking kicked ass. Um, she loved her children dearly, and they 100, they miss her sorely. Um, she was a grandmother at the time of her death, and one of her grandchildren, like I said, is a friend of the pod. Um, and he was six when she was stolen from him, and the last gift that he remembers getting from her was the Dino Rider T-Rex set. Um, What's that? I'm not sure. Like a... Lego dinosaur kind I think of thing? so. Maybe or like, with, a, like, like a race figurine. Thingy. Yeah, something like that. Mm. Um, she really, really seemed like the kindest woman and 100% did not deserve what happened to her. So we're going to go ahead and say, fuck you, Richard Allen Howe, and move into questions and theories. I just have a few. How old was she? I'm sorry. She was 51. My first question, and I don't really know the answer to it, Hannah might, Hannah might not, 
why did it take seven years to convict him of Mina's murder? If the DNA evidence was found in 2002, and then it wasn't until 2009 that he actually was convicted of the crime, I'm wondering if there's um, special hoops they have to jump through, special jurisdictions for him being a prisoner in one county and then being prosecuted in a different county for a different crime that was a since cold case. So that was just interesting to me. I yeah, don't I mean, know if I, you have any thoughts. I think you answered it right there. Yeah. Just because of different jurisdictions. Also, I mean, just because someone says, a detective comes to you and says, hey, I'm going to send this off for testing, it literally could be three months to three years. That's true, especially in 2002 when it was still pretty early right. stages. And yeah. depending on the test, if it's a full toxicology, if it's just a rape kit, if it's literally you know, just insects or whatever, saliva, semen, it really could depend. Yeah. And that's how in depth and depends on the sample size and like what we're they're dealing with, how old it is. And And plus from the eighty nine two years old. Right. Preservation and what, you know, extremes they took and measures they took to preserve everything. So I mean it it could a very varying that's uh, that's true because it's not like okay cool dna bings you and it matches mm-hmm. just like it with the golden state killer it being to match but they had to still build a case right. around it they couldn't yeah. just go right in on it or else double jeopardy yeah. would happen and you're fucked for sure so i mean that's a that's great a good point thing that it, it linked yes you know richard to this but they still have to be like okay where was he and i think what we're lucky happening? that he was in jail so that way it was linked to him right. and he, you know, nothing else could happen. For it's sure. Like, cool. He's in jail for this amount of time. So we can we take our time. Maybe that's true. Previous victims, though, yeah. which is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And that leads into the next question. Parole. <sighs> so we're going to talk about the timeline. So April 1st, 1990, he is caught with, uh, he has a kidnapping charge. Mm-hmm. The sentence began early it's about february of 1991 do we know the age of the child we don't i could not find anything that would be interesting because of the Mm -hmm. age of mina as like i asked 51 that's a big difference i guess because 51 no offense it just seems a little more like he was 31 no she was 51 51. if you go after a victim of that i don't want to say 50s in, in your seniors but it's clearly not a young person right so that kind of uh shows a little bit of a pattern or an affinity towards uh maybe a senior citizen uh-huh. age and we're definitely going to talk about so that the kidnapping i want to know what the age was is my point so his sentence begins in 91 for that kidnapping he's sentenced to 10 years mm-hmm. october 14th 1993 two years later mm-hmm. he's picked up for sexual assault mm-hmm. which means that after a kidnapping charge he was paroled after two years the sentence for his rape charge begins in 93, mm-hmm. and he gets 17 and a half years. Good. That's nice. So in, so just so, so these are the two that he had been caught for. Mina's murder, as you might remember, happened in 1989. So that's before this kidnapping. So he murdered her. You mean her. before the rape? Or and the kidnapping, actually. Before yeah, yeah, yeah. Both. Sorry. He murdered her. Then went to jail for kidnapping. Ooh, wait, so it's backwards. Mm-hmm. So he was paroled, released, and almost immediately rapes, which means either A, Mina was not his first murder victim or rape victim, and he could be connected uh, to other DNA-less cold crimes, meaning 
he was doing this before people even had a whisper of what DNA could mean and before they even kind of kept those samples or if those samples had been kept, they were thrown away by then. Or B. Definitely thrown away. Mina fought for her life so hard that he felt he had to murder her. Mm. So this I kind of, I grappled with for a while. I could definitely see B where he breaks into her home. He sexually assaults her and she's fucking fighting for her life, fighting so hard that he beats her in the head and face. Inadvertently kills her. And then strangles her. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah, you're right. He does strangle her. So it, but to me, what we see mostly in these, in these crimes where a rapist turns into a murderer or a serial murderer happens the first murder is either an accident or it's been a long, 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 long standing mm-hmm. fantasy mm-hmm. that they plan out. Assuming this is his first murder, that would mean this is an accident. So why would, after getting the taste for murder... Right. He de-escalate. Exactly. You don't de-escalate. No. De-escalation does not happen. I would love to know how he was caught for that sexual assault, how he was caught for that kidnapping, because kidnapping, it's like... All Someone right, had to see it. And how do you go from... Uh, break, uh, breaking and entering, rape, murder, murder to, just to getting caught for kidnapping? That doesn't but make sense. But that's all by chance. I mean, that could have happened the first time. But then getting caught for rape? I think... He clearly... He wasn't a very uh, organized offender, criminal. And that goes into what I think. I think Mina's murder was not his first. I think Mina's rape was not his first. And I think with his kidnapping and sexual assault... He was in berserker mode. Mm-hmm. I think he was trying to get back on track and her, it just mm-hmm. didn't, didn't. And he wasn't plan planning out. out. He was desperate. He was just doing what he could and he got picked up for the fucking kidnapping. And the he made a mistake, small, whatever. System paroled yeah. him for whatever goddamn reason because he had never been caught before. Mm-hmm. So they didn't and think it was a big deal. Immediately he got released and raped somebody. And then the system did what was right, and they gave him 17 and a half years. That was great. But in the meantime, we don't know what he did. We don't know what he did before that. The kidnapping charge he was paroled for after two years, give or take. Okay, yeah, 1990 to 1993. In 1993, he did the rape, but he was put back in prison for 17 years for the rape. And And that's that's when when they said, 2002, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. So that just, I... It's Donald Bess. Right. Every episode, I swear to God, we mentioned this guy. Mm-hmm. Donald Bess has like the ultimate epitome of parole career mm-hmm. bullshit. And knowing that, and I wonder. This guy sucks. I hope that police, because he was convicted in Travis County, Harris County, mm-hmm. and Fort Bend County. So he was a He's transient. all over the place. He was bouncing around, which makes it difficult because especially back then. Huh? I what don't was know. His career? I couldn't okay. find any information about him because he had been he was basically a career criminal in the eyes of like, you know, internet whatever's. But basically, he was a transient. Mm-hmm. He was like I said a career criminal and he moved around as he pleased. So, I don't know how many fucking cold crimes could be Paired with this guy. Well, and we won't know until they're tested. And, and if they're tested. it's possible that they won't be tested. Right, yeah, exactly. Because the DNA evidence was lost or was never taken. Or It costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, and especially he since he didn't rapist. automatically when Sugarland police confronted him 
at his prison about Mina's murder, I, he said no. He denied knowing her. From my stance, what I see from my research is this man was getting away with crime, heinous crimes for a very long time. And then he, whether the heinous crimes, whether it stops at rape and Mina's was the one and only murder he committed. And then he kind of went into a little bit more panicky berserker mm-hmm. mode after that and got caught. That's still heinous crimes. So I think this guy was a career criminal. I think he could be connected as a serial rapist or even a serial murderer. And unfortunately, because of the progression of DNA science, we just the 80s are completely cut out because 31 I would just age that. 31 for your first murder yeah, doesn't happen that. that doesn't happen I think he was a rapist and he killed her because he had to and yeah. then he finally got the courage up a year later decided to try it again the kidnapping went wrong and he got seen he got caught whatever no matter what age this person was got paroled exactly and then <laughs> did it again yeah and was luckily finally justice finally caught up to him. put yeah. back in prison. Yeah. He's a serial rapist. And uh, who knows? I hope that they look back into more of the 1980s and try and match uh, victims to his crimes because this guy clearly uh, was a multiple offender. And that's what was so difficult Most about likely. researching this case because there is not much of a, an internet paper trail mm-hmm. of cold cases like this, of any, like, it's just so frustrating because I did want to look up different crimes that had happened in those counties around that time. But around victims. that time, there's just not enough paper trail. The victims from 1990 and 1993, he could have a problem with his mother, which yes. is why she was 51 and the victims from 1990 and 1993 might be in the same realm. We, you could narrow down who he could have attacked prior to mm-hmm. 89 just on victimology alone If we had because kn- he goes after women in their 50s or older or whatever. He could have mommy yeah. issues. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like If we had access to that shit, to the profile mm-hmm. of his victims, to any of that, then uh, not even us, just the web sleuth people could... Dude, armchair profilers, not even armchair detectives, armchair profilers yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. It could, it, it would totally fucking work. So that's Richard Allen Howe, go fuck yourself. And and he's not going to talk because he denied knowing Mina. He denied ever being there. So despite the DNA evidence, DNA. despite the fingerprinting evidence, he was too arrogant because he didn't think he could be caught because he hadn't been caught. Who knows? He could have been preying upon sex workers for years and years mm-hmm. and years. And, and then, no one cared to exactly ever so, look into it. This was a fucking, it's uh, a shitty one. And yeah. I'm glad there's a conclusion. Um, she sounds like a babe. Yeah, she sounds like a fucking kick-ass, yeah. smart-ass bitch. And I don't know. It's she just, did her best. It's horrifying that someone broke into her house and just discarded her body as if she was nothing. Yeah. Because she was nothing to him because this is something he had been doing sequentially for mm. a long time. So It just stems back to that guy's history and his problems of his own. But yeah. I don't want to make him the victim. Mm-mm. Ironically, we have a lot of uh, victims in September. So she's an additional one to add yeah. to September. I don't know what's happening. You and know, it's a moon. Right. I was going to say, I was, I was like, what's happened nine months prior? But that's like birth. <laughs> like nine months prior. Who was fucking like, nine months prior is my point. But that would, had nothing to do with like, like birth. January. That's yeah. like fucking New Year's or Christmas fucking babies. It might, it might be a, a moon phase or Could Mercury be. or uh 
something was in the water. Def- There's always something in the water. Licking lead paint. Yeah. I love lead. It tastes so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my fave. This guy sucks ass. I hope that uh, maybe he gets some help in prison. Highly doubtful, but. Yeah, he has life imprisonment, which means he hopefully is rotting the fuck away and is going to die of some really, really, really painful cancer or liver disease yeah, or something. Yeah. I hope he withers and deteriorates. Or gets help. <laughs> no, because he's not getting released. So oh, yeah, him. you're right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he has parole eligibility. Uh, Highly doubtful maybe. that he will right, right, right. because of the other cases he's because and, and I'm sure we're not we're not the smartest people in the world we're probably not we're, the are only you kidding ones. me are we like so smart right now Wait, are we though? oh my god like, what are you talking about but we're probably not the only ones who are like yeah this was definitely not his first heinous crime you know all of this stuff really ties into mine like beyond in like a creepy way of Ugh, just like the bigger terrible. picture of things so I'm sorry that it does but it's no good no, no for it's podcasting. kind of ironic yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> Mina well, we love you so much yes you would have been a great grandmother, great grandmother, yep. great great grandmother, and uh, we wish you were here. Yeah, we do. All right. <laughs> so this week I chose a murder that I originally uh, heard of back in June and kind of put on the back burner for a while. Um, but basically, like I told you before, this is uh, Zuzu Verk, the sequel. Okay. All right. So, which, by the way, those guys' trial dates were pushed out until 2019, Ugh. in case anyone uh, cared. Um, Zuzu was a pretty hard case for both of us. Um, she was actually killed, I think, a few years ago this week. Um, and so this case reminded me so much of hers in many ways. So I really, uh, really wanted to talk about it. Um, like I said, I've been wanting to, but I just, uh, some other more gruesome cases have, uh, come into play. Mm. Which wine is more full? (laughs) Why did you open both of them? I don't know. This one had like a sip. It's fine. All right, so um, when I was school-free this summer, I would watch almost kind of like every investigation discovery show that there was. I had nothing else to do. And a new interview series had premiered in June called The Real Story with Maria Elena Salinas. But she said it super fast with an accent that I can't do. Otherwise, I'll sound racist. Maria Elena Salinas? Right. Like how you did for The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody that one time. Julio Ricardo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how she says yeah. it. But also racist because it's not for sure. real. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We're white. It's fine. Yeah. Not really. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> um, we're sorry. Anyways, this is an investigative reporting show similar to kind of like 48 Hours, 2020, etc. Um, and this case was covered on season two, episode one, and it was called Jekyll and Hyde. Mm. If that gives any sort of idea of what this is going to be sort of like. Uh, it seemed kind of straightforward at first, but it definitely has some twists. So um, stick around, take a load off, take off your shoes, grab a beer, sit down, relax. It's fine. Grab a can of wine. There you go. Just like us. Yeah. Uh, so picture it. Richardson, Texas, 2016. Richardson is about, I would say, 15-ish minutes north of Dallas. I went to high school in Richardson a private high school that has since shut down, I believe. So, you know, it was good. (laughs) Um, Gary Bardwell, who was currently living in Mississippi, traveled all the way to Dallas after not hearing from his daughter on that Sunday, Mother's Day, May 8th, 2016. After failed efforts in an attempt to speak with his daughter in person at her home, he calls Richardson police and asks to have a welfare check done on his daughter, Jessie Bardwell. And he also wanted to report her missing. 
Gary would tell investigators that he basically had a premonition or a dream that his daughter was no longer on Earth. Jesus. Yeah, so that's reassuring. Yeah. So, Maria Elena Salinas, <laughs> I'm going to say that a bunch, begins by interviewing one of the main detectives. Um, detective, I don't know how do you pronounce it, Chiron, Chiron, it's C-H-I-R-O-N, Chiron? Sharon, yeah, I think. Uh, Sharon Hale, he's black. Um, he kind of, you know who John Sally is? He was like an NBA player for like the Bulls. I believe so. I think he even played for like the Lakers. Was he an actor for the Lakers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in like a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. Ultimate Christmas present. (laughs) Oh, that's why he, okay. He was in like a Bad Boys movie, That hence why he was like, he played for the Heat, so that makes sense. Uh, Anyway, sports, whatever. Um, Detective Hale, do you want me to pause? No, I'm just looking up his face to make sure. Okay. <laughs> I know exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know oh, who yeah. I'm talking about. He looks just like that. Like, he wears glasses, like, everything. He looks literally. Is he from Houston? No, he's from Georgia. It's interesting. He looks like the guy that used to come into Mellow Mushroom that we used to work at. No, he didn't. <laughs> there was a there was an old NBA player. That used no, to I was just kidding. There. I was saying okay. no, we didn't work there. You it's didn't. Kind of, oh no, we yeah. didn't. No, 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 no. Yeah. No pizza ever. Different. What? what pizza? How do you make pizza? <sighs> I don't know. Uh, Detective Hale would call up a man named Jason Lowe, Jesse's boyfriend. He asks if he had talked to Jesse in the last few days, and he says, "So I'm going to quote the actual audio. Okay, they show it and play it on the show. Quote." No, I haven't, but I mean, we don't really keep tabs on one another. Hale asks, so the last time you saw Jessie was 10 p.m. on Sunday, and she told you she was going out. Jason replies, yeah, kind of. We don't really ever ask questions. You know, you can't control people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Flag, flag, flag. Good stuff already. (laughs) Detective Hale tells him that Jessie's father has called and reported her uh, missing, to which Jason responds, quote, I mean, her dad has done this since day one, blowing up my phone. This has got to stop. We've got to have our, <laughs> we've got to have our space. Let us do our thing. We don't have to talk every day. We're adults. Which, but I, I mean, I kind of see his point. Yeah, but like. He's already so acting super aggressive and You don't weird. want anyone to keep tabs on Jesse and you also don't keep tabs on Jesse. Right, right, right. Red flag. So who's supposed definitely to Definitely number one. For right. sure. Yeah. Stupid idiot. After that lovely phone call, Hale decides to run Jesse's license plate through the DMV database. He received a hit stating that her vehicle had been seen a few times in the city of Garland, which is, I think, like a smidge-ish southeast of Richardson, from what I can remember. Maybe not. Who cares? Yep. I get gas there, I feel like, when I go to <laughs> Fort Worth. <laughs> Good. Uh, Maria Elena Salinas asks, quote, what did you expect to find when you got to her car? Detective Hale replies, I was expecting to find the car and to find Jesse and for everything to be okay. Mm. Wrong. Why would he be expecting that? Is he new here? Right. <laughs> That's a literally what I thought. I was like, if I was a detective, I'd be like, okay, someone's dead. We're going to yeah. find out what's going on. When Detective Hale finds the car, he meets the new owner of the vehicle. Oh, shit. Right? Who said he purchased it from Jason Lowe and Jesse Bardwell. Oh, really? Did you? Did, was she present? I put up my finger in case anyone didn't see that. They provided a bill of sale signed by Jason Lowe for a down payment and a monthly payment agreement. So pretty solid exchange of car and money, documentation, etc. Red flag number 10. Mm-hmm. But moving forward. After that, 
Detective Hale, he is, uh, he's not fucking around. He heads to Jason and Jesse's house with a female officer to do a little knock and talk kind of thing uh, with Jason on May 12th. This is why I want to put emphasis because uh, she has just the right amount of like sass and like she doesn't really take shit from people. So it's pretty funny to me because you hear the audio and it's uh, fairly humorous in my opinion. So the female officer asks, um, and once again, this is like the actual audio so I can kind of hear her tone. She goes, so, you know, you said she left Sunday in her car, to which he replies, right, she, um, her Acura, yeah, lady officer goes, so, yeah, I don't think that's really true because her car, uh, yeah, somebody else had it. (laughs) Like, this is verbatim, I swear to God. Oh, my God, I love her. He goes. Uh, somebody else has her car? She says, yeah, they said you sold it to them? To what she comes up with some, it's really kind of convoluted, this like bullshit lease agreement to where they had a spare set of keys to which they could come and take the car kind of whenever they wanted before the actual paperwork went through. Sure, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Luckily, during this, uh, when both Hale and this female officer were at Jason Lowe's home, he agrees to have a crime scene technician come in and check out the house while they're still basically interrogating him at the home, okay? Damn. Yeah. Immediately walking into the garage, they see Jason's SUV covered in mud, and there is a terrible odor seeping from the vehicle. I need oh, to take a swig of wine. Has this guy, some of these people we cover, have they never watched anything true crime related at all no because they're narcissist yeah well that's true he claims the mud came from a recent fishing trip and the smell was from trash in the trash bags laying by the garage door detective hale is quoted saying in the audio that quote it smells like dead meat maria elena salinas (laughs) asked him to describe what death smells like he takes a long pause and during his exhale says i can't First of all, I love how journalists still to this day ask people in law enforcement or medicine what death smells like. Mm-hmm. I feel like you should just kind of come up with more compelling questions. Right. Like what? We know it smells bad. OK. Like I just I don't know. Uh, Detective Hale. This is actually kind of interesting. Detective Hale said that when he looked at Jason in the garage, he could see could see Jason's face beginning to spasm. Mm. He said, quote, it looked like his cheekbone was jumping off of his face. So, what is that? Red flag 115 mm-hmm. at this point? Motherfucker is nervous as shit. Mm-hmm. We are in his house. We just begin questioning him. And right. I already smell death and see twitchy twitch face. Perfect. Guilty. That was in the affidavit. Yeah. Um, besides all of this, they find a dish with cocaine on it in the bar area of the apartment. How many fucking crimes have we covered? I'm sorry. I'm going to stop interrupting after no. this. But where cocaine has been involved. I don't think of cocaine as a violent drug, but apparently cocaine is a violent fucking drug. It's actually really funny. We'll talk about, like, put a pin in that because it's actually really humorous. Cool. So they decide that with all the circumstantial evidence at home, the car, and with Jesse still missing, they would arrest Jason on a drug possession and buy themselves some time. Fuck yeah. Good job. They begin questioning Jason at the police station, and he is... So fucking nonchalant about everything. This guy, I don't know how to, <laughs> let me try to explain this. It, it, he's acting like um, 
let's see. He failed the bar exam. <laughs> his dog died. And his bank account is overdrafted. Like, literally in all one afternoon. Oh, okay. okay? Like, he is so put out uh, emotionally and just, like, completely indifferent. It's just insane. So... Detective Hale explains that they're just trying to find Jesse, bring her home, and just really, you know, need his help. They are not trying to make him think that he is necessarily in trouble or a suspect at this point for fear, you know, that he might lawyer up and then they're super fucked. So now, this is pretty interesting to me because the uh, cops and DA are just ballsy as fuck because on May 13th, they have no body, no confirmed DNA, no motive, and no murder weapon, but they charged jason lowe with first degree murder holy shit that's really ballsy right oh god that sounds like it's just gonna fall the fuck apart oh no how they convinced a grand jury to indict him with just cocaine and a smelly and muddy car is pretty impressive if you ask me now with that said i'm obviously covering this case for a reason meaning i'm not mad that this guy was charged with this but, I mean, sure, his car story was a little wonky, but it could be explained away with further information with selling, leasing, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's been cooperative the whole time. He's let them interview him on the phone, in person, let a crime scene tech come snoop around without a warrant or anything. So I'm kind of, I'm honestly really surprised at this point that this charge was allowed to be brought against him yeah. kind of in the grand scheme of things, you know? Where's the probable cause is, I guess, all I'm saying. I don't really... I don't know. I don't really see it. No. At, at that point, I didn't really see it. No, so. like we we all want him. I mean, it's always the boyfriend. It's always the husband. Right, but right. There's that's nothing very really risky of them right. to they're risking their whole case. <laughs> You'll like this. I wrote. Oh, no. <laughs> all I <laughs> sorry. All I'd like to ask is where was this jury when Casey Anthony had a smelly car? Oh my god! <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. But neither here nor there. Anyways, she's free now, guys. She wants to have another baby. Ew, disgusting. Yeah. Maria Elena Salinas would ask Gary. <laughs> I was waiting for you to catch on to that. <laughs> no, I have. I have dropped it. I wrote her name down, I think, too. <laughs> she's really pretty, actually. Uh, uh, Gary, Jesse's father, what he thought uh, when he heard that Jason was being charged for Jesse's murder. He replied, quote, I wish he had answered the door because I would have killed him with my bare hands. This dad uh, breaks my heart. Like, I, yeah. uh, I cried a lot watching this. And oh. that says, I don't want to say, oh, that says something for me. But, like, it kind of does. Because oh. this stuff doesn't get to me. But this man uh, really makes you sad. Fuck. In opposition of Gary, Jason's friends and court-appointed attorney thinks he's the fucking bee's knees. Because, according to his lawyer, Jason is just so broken up, distraught, blah, blah, blah. Just like Zuzu's. D-bag boyfriend's lawyer said, too, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're doing our own investigation or whatever. Yep. Um, so speaking of lawyers, assistant DA Wes Wynn, Forensic Files, will then confirm that the DNA swabs taken from the trunk of Jason's vehicle that was so smelly and covered in mud, they come back inconclusive. Fuck. Right. Blood, DNA, all that stuff. They reveal that a neighbor had actually seen Jason carrying a bucket and a container of bleach and evidently using it in the back of his car one day. So basically the trunk is awash. Nothing comes from it. Damn it. That was their and that was their only motive. Or transportation yeah, exactly. That was their only sort of evidence like that that they were going off of at that point. Um, the show then segues to an interview with um, Christine Chambers, who, um, by the way, is just adorable she is super pretty 
And I'm, I just want to say that uh, I'm really proud of her because she tells her story for the first time to the public on this interview. And this is a big story. Oh, no. Yeah. Is it sexual assault and like... Close enough. Oh. If not worse. But uh, anyways, she says that she's at work one day and she gets a text from her best friend. Quote, it was a screenshot of an article of a young girl's photo next to Jason's Facebook profile picture stating that the girl was missing. Right away, I just dropped to my knees and I just screamed in the middle of the office. And I said, she's dead. I just knew it. Oh. This like, I'm like choking up right now because this is just too on topic for like women. Like, yeah. I don't know. What's happening right now right. in the world. Yeah. <clears throat> she says that she met Jason at work. She had just moved to Dallas and, uh, quote, worked alongside him, which I put that in quotes because it just sounds so much like Anne Rule and Ted Bundy. like. Stranger beside me. Yeah, exactly. She said he was funny, charismatic, outgoing, popular, a nice guy, red flags, 200 to 205. They worked together for about six months before they began dating. Um, pause ish because semi red flag, he was bipolar. Okay. I'm obviously saying red flag in jest to keep things lighthearted, but I don't want anyone to think that I'm making fun of mental illness. No, no, no. Um, but it is something to take into account, yeah. especially with a violent criminal. That is a that's a factor sometimes. Right. You know? So he was open with Christine about being bipolar and suffering from the disease. And he was on medication and allegedly trying to act, you know, actively maintain it. She okay. said that she didn't really see any of the typical ups and downs you might see from someone who isn't receiving treatment. Um. So, however, she said one night after work, I'm going to ask your opinion here in a second. So. She said one night after work, they got together to hang out. It was just the two of them. And throughout the night, he kept telling her he was in love with his ex-girlfriend. He didn't want to be hanging out with her, meaning Christine, anymore. And he had been texting his ex all night long. And he just really wasn't feeling it with Christine any longer. So she's just kind of dumbfounded. She gets a little frustrated, has her feelings hurt, as most people would. And she said, "Okay, this is done. And she said that she even probably called him crazy a few times in the course of the argument. And that's when she said he just completely snapped. So class, coercive control 101. This motherfucker picks a fight with the girl or with this girl, Christine, makes her feel like shit about herself. But in classic fashion, when she breaks it off. And she says we're done when it's not on his terms, he loses it. So this is when I want to say. In the nicest way possible, you know more about bipolar behavior than I do. So does this sound like common behavior or is this just straight up narcissistic psychopathy? What's your opinion? Um, When you first started describing it, it sounded like clear cut self-destructive behavior, mm-hmm. which is very indicative of bipolar. Um, you, someone who's not on their meds or just. Yeah, someone who's not on their meds. Okay. Um, you You kind of self-destruct anything that might be deemed as good anything Mm -hmm. that might be deemed as healthy um and it does have narcissistic tendency when you are inside an episode i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that all bipolar people do all this um when you are inside of of an episode and you're not medicated um it is very narcissistically driven Mm -hmm. And then you are very self-destructive. Just because you think about yourself or, yes, or and you think people are just 
out to get you or how so? Yes, both. Both. Okay. You you think uh, you think only of yourself. You think people are not understanding what's happening. Um, they're not understanding you. They're out to get you. They are. Uh, no one loves you. No one's there for you. No one. It's a right. bipolar is a perfect storm of a bunch of different terrible emotions. And when you're inside of an episode, it really it's hard to dig out of it, especially especially well, if you've never been medicated or know sure. how to deal with it. Right. So you don't have any coping skills. Yeah. Well, I, and he was allegedly looking to the past, looking at the ex girlfriend. Supposedly, oh, yeah. is that part of the episode, if you will? Like, yes, you know, making reference to other things or other people or situations. Because that is a um, a means to an end when it comes to the self destruction. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, it's it's pulling things that will deflect from yourself right, right, right. projected onto that or yes. like yeah deflect you could mm-hmm. yeah and okay. start to self-destruct with whatever and then um it's you can just it's forget like about your we've... current situation and move on mm-hmm. to what was in the past or and, and of... it's what we've talked about where you know genetics provide the gun and life gives you the bullets so you can have someone that is experiencing all these things they're projecting um they're self-destructing but it's not as dire is this and it doesn't turn into a hugely violent outburst but if your life has kind of given you if you are more Mm -hmm. prone to violent outbursts it's all case-based of course but yeah that I don't doubt his bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. in this but acts during your um an episode for me, doesn't last long enough to warrant a murder where you can just fully um, blame it on an episode without there being other mental thing. Yeah. yeah, other other circumstances, s- yeah. factors. Yeah. Okay. So yes, I think your answer. Your answer is yes. Okay. So back on track. This is when <laughs> it gets bad. She said it started with him. This is Christine recap. Okay. Uh, she said it started with him grabbing her arm and throwing her across the room. She runs off, but he forces her into the bedroom and then proceeds to throw her on the floor. Mm. She fights back. She claws his face. She said she tried to poke his eyeballs out, pull his hair, really do anything she could. Um, man, listening to, des- listening to her describe that really, uh, it stressed me out. So have you ever... Um, like play wrestled with a guy before yeah like not in like a cutesy like sexual way but like kind of like when you're mad and they're trying to smooth things over so they let you kind of like beat up on them kind of thing and it's easy for them to accidentally like clamp your arm too hard or like it's easy (laughs) for them to fucking hurt you right so my point is yeah like guys are strong and it's terrifying when you know the guy isn't going to it's even terrifying when you know that they're not going to hurt you. Right. Or, you know, they're clearly just messing around. So I can only imagine that feeling of trying to defend yourself and you can't click, kick, sorry, or claw your way out of their grip. Mm-hmm. And it's not a joke this time. And it's not a funny game. Like, I don't know. When she explained that, it creeped me out so hard. Yeah, because they can accidentally hurt you when you're kind of... Play fighting, but play you, wrestling, and then if you have never been in that really situation of to, being attacked, my only comparison was the jokey side. Yeah, and it's like fuck, like that's even kind of scary because well, you're yeah, like, oh, exactly, like, and then I, how I really easily it can be fuck. escalated right. into actual pain, right. and that's just 
that's uh, an extra bit of energy mm-hmm. from the wrist. It's, it's really, it's really scary. It so, is. I don't know. I just wanted to add that in there because I've never been uh, in that situation. So it was kind of uh, creepy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, she then says he places both of his hands on her face, one uh, covering her nose and the other covering her mouth. Oh. She said, quote, I couldn't breathe. I'll never forget the look in his eye. It was like a monster. It was like the devil. And I don't know how many minutes went by, but he then said, I'm going to kill you right now. She said she almost accepted the fact that that's how she was going to die. And Maria, Alina Salinas, (laughs) asks her another genius journalist question. Quote, he was on top of you. What did you think? On camera, Christine begins to struggle holding back her tears when she says, quote, I thought about my family. Oh, man, this is like actually really hard. Um, Everything I never got to do and everything that I wish I would have done. I knew I just couldn't leave this world with that face being the last thing I saw. Sorry, wine. Terrible, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about why women don't report. Like, I'm not thinking oh, about, like, why doesn't she report? It's because who's, who's oh, going to listen to You her? won't even, like, who's believe. Listen? You won't yeah. believe what happens. So sad. Um, that's why I wanted to mention her before that I was really proud that she told her story because I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have been able to. She said she looked to the left and saw the blinds were still open and she could see the moon. And she kept her eyes on the moon until everything went dark. She said the next thing she remembers is that she was running outside his apartment barefoot. Um, Christine is then asked if she thought maybe Jason had second thoughts and he stopped strangling her or if, you know, he just thought she was dead. And Christine responded saying, honestly, I think he was trying to figure out what to do with my body. Super scary. Um, God, this just gets worse. Christine manages to run to a nearby convenience store and call the police. Her 911 call sounds very genuine. She lists his name. She said he tries to kill. He's tried to kill me. He choked me until I was unconscious, etc. Uh, the police show up. <laughs> this is great. And actually bring her back. <laughs> You're going to hate all of this. To the fucking apartment to essentially hash out what had just happened which i have with him serious problems with yes man i'm like still women don't fucking matter in our system this is ridiculous wait yeah i told you this was dead because she didn't christine didn't matter right fuck clearly (laughs) this girl is a trigger for his anger so um you know obviously it's a totally great idea to bring her back to talk with him obviously i mean that just bugged me so hard. Yeah. Like, are you, you don't bring you the clearly victim don't back understand to their what's happening. Exactly. Right. But anyways, I guess he was lying through his teeth, feeding the cops bullshit. And Christine was kind of on the sidelines listening and getting super pissed like anyone would. But then she's hysterical. For <sighs> Literally. Are I, you kidding? Verbatim what I wrote. She said um, one of the cops actually turned to her and said, calm down, ma'am, or else no one is going to believe you. And I wrote, once again, the hysterical, emotional woman is a liar, not a victim, but okay. I'm, I'm boiling right, right now. Right, right, right. This is the best part. Let me put the cherry on top of your boil. 
After all that, they do eventually arrest him. So, hey, silver lining. But the cops leave and she has to Uber the fuck home. Are you fucking kidding? They don't no. even escort her home. No, 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 no. She has to Uber home. Attempted murder. Oh, it's hilarious. Like when she and Maria Elena Salinas are talking, it's hilarious. Like they're just like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. This is Dallas Police? Richardson. Richard. Same Fuck difference. the Richardson PD. <sighs> Fuck your opinion, I, you women. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. She said, this is good too. It just, I'm telling you, it just keeps getting better. She said she didn't feel any support from law enforcement. She said she felt like she. Sorry, I was trying no, to it's look okay. at the year. <laughs> Uh, 2016. Okay. Or, well, that okay. happened in 2015. Okay. Jesse was 2016. It's so recent. Yeah. It's- she said she felt like she was treated like she was almost expected to know what to do in that situation and that she should have handled the attack better. So, um, like, if you want to have that mentality as a person from, like, the like outside looking in... I don't know, like provide like a free self-defense course or like a taser or some shit. Like, I don't understand why in 2015 you don't understand victim blaming. Right. You know what I mean? You don't understand. Like if you want to victim blame, then like give us some sort of, I don't know. We've been taught like as <laughs> women from a very young age how to defend ourselves from kidnappers and rapists and shit. And then you have someone that you trust that is attacking you and all of a sudden we're supposed to know how to defend no fuck you teach your men not to fucking assault well, us i mean cassie she did call him crazy after all she did call him was she crying she was asking for it i mean was did she, you was see her face red was did she you angry? see the length of her skirt it was probably super short probably knee length right, or something right. yeah, I yeah. Mean, she was probably I'm in birth so sorry, control Jason. too which yeah. meant that she just wanted Didn't, it yeah it was fine. yeah Christine took a few days off of work to recover, as you should. She claims that once she went back to work, she definitely got some evil stares, snide remarks from people. Are you fucking kidding? Because this is the work that they worked at together. Because she got all those remarks and stares because eventually Jason was fired. Not because he almost strangled her to death and the company felt that it was a huge insult and horribly inappropriate to keep him on staff and wanted to support Christine. But he was fired because he was in jail and he just wasn't in attendance anymore. And basically, they didn't want to pay him for hours. He wasn't really working. Thanks, Christine, for inconveniencing us. Now we have to hire someone else. Thank you, Christine, for having a vagina and being in the way. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for surviving a murder attempt. Because now we have to deal with shit now. And what you, the? F- you were going to get so angry about this one. Yeah, you were right. She prefaced this before we even, we went on, we talked for like two hours before we started this episode and she prefaced this entire thing with, I'm going to be angry. So I'm yep. angry. I am angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I got angry, I knew you'd definitely be angry. <laughs> Jason's direct supervisor told one, oh. Piece of shit. I'm just going to say, I don't care what company it is. I don't care if I might work for them one day. You're a piece of fucking shit. I need to take a drink before this one. Mm-hmm. I couldn't finish the word shit because I was just, I need. <clears throat> Jason's direct supervisor told one of Christine's best friends that, quote, there are two sides to every story and not to believe everything you hear. You want to know what I wrote? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what also has two sides is this 20-inch dildo that I dipped in hot sauce and bleach that has that guy's name written all over it. I like that. Thank you. That's a good thank you because I was. 
Like a good Christmas card. I was gonna cry. Two yeah. sides to every fuck. Two the what the, the, the right, side of right, the fucking right, right, victim right. and then yeah. the side of the rapist. Right. Does that side matter? <sighs> okay. Um, it's okay. It's a hot sauce dip dildo. We're good. Yeah, We're yeah, good. yeah. In his ass, in his house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Spikes on it, please. <laughs> uh, just wait. Two weeks later, after getting judged. And shamed, Christine drops the charges on Jason. Oh, honey, and I understand. I so I understand. I fuck. Welcome, class, to female oppression one hundred and one. Yep. <laughs> Christine fuck. explains that she thought if some of her friends and coworkers didn't even believe her, how would she get a court to do this? Fuck, same? and she's right. She said she just wanted it to be over, to never yeah. see his face again, to never hear his name again. I get it. Right? I understand. Uh, yeah. That's why a lot of women don't even report rapes because nope. they're just like, this isn't even going to be a thing. Nope. I'm too ashamed. Men are too ashamed to admit mm-hmm. that they've been raped by a man or woman. It's a vicious cycle. Cool. Police obviously find her story to be very informative in the case against Jason. Oh, did they? Because they didn't really help. Right, right, yeah. Uh, well, that was detectives versus police i don't want to blame certain, right, right. The certain ones that actually did do their job you're right um but because his charges were dropped in christine's case they probably you know uh won't be admissible in court mm-hmm. however nine days after the investigation began police get a tip and head to rural farmersville texas about 35 miles away there along the fence in a seemingly random field they find jesse's body Wrapped in a sheet, covered in trash. Zuzu, you fucked all this up for us. <laughs> yeah. With uh, a piece of metal blocking its view from anyone who passed by. So he clearly thinks so highly of her to cover her in trash, refer to the smell of her as trash, and to dispose of her as trash. Yeah, so, like covered, like I can she's handle a, a body person. found, but covered in Yeah. He covered in trash. Right. Um... Dude, when they interview Gary about when he found out uh, that Jesse's body was found, uh, like I said, uh, I cried really hard. He was bawling um, like it had happened like an hour before or something like he was just so broken up. It was heartbreaking. Fathers are so, you know, stereotypically stoic and they keep their emotions inside. So it was just really sad to see him break down like that. It's so shitty because I mean, we've heard. Two women now, like, mm-hmm. be with this guy that he right. charmed it. Like, exactly. It's just, you don't, you don't know. You, you can't trust anyone. No. Gary was initially holding back tears, and then he just lets it all out and says, I've cried so much, now I feel guilty for not crying. So. Um, <laughs> just like with Zuzu Verk, the autopsy clearly, um, or sorry, just like with Zuzu Verk, the autopsy couldn't clearly conclude what jesse's cause of death was um remember zuzu she was too decomposed to really get any sort of determination on that they knew what didn't cause her death but couldn't determine what did cause um so with jesse she didn't have a bullet wound stab wounds or any signs of blood trauma there would be no physical evidence found to definitively determine if she was a victim of homicide which sucks um police would find out that the property jesse was found on Belonged to a man simply known as Cowboy. Sure. I think that was more or less a way to hide his identity. Um, But he would confirm that he knew Jason. So this is, I mean, doesn't this sound just like Zuzu? Two random dudes out in a field with a blonde girl, right? Yep. 
um, naturally. When they tell Cowboy that her body was found on his land, he evidently threw up from shock. He denied any involvement. Um, They find tire tracks matching Jason's tires at the scene and miscellaneous car parts that matched parts of uh, missing or missing parts off of Jason's Audi SUV. So police finally have some evidence, still incredibly circumstantial evidence at that. Uh, I don't think you can really timestamp tire tracks and mud, but who knows? You can. There's a forensic expert on everything these days. Yeah, I mean they were there. Right. That's cool. Um, At this point, one of Jason's friends comes to visit him in jail. In the actual video, you can hear Jason say, "Quote: I fucked up. I made a mistake. It was an accident, but it will all come out and be explained. I know what I'm guilty of. I'm guilty of criminal negligence." I personally don't feel like this was a slip up. I think that he said that on purpose and he and his lawyer knew that the police would take that as self-incrimination and he knew that they didn't have much evidence. But if they were going to pin her murder on him like they had been since basically day one, at least maybe he'd get a lesser charge. Yeah, because criminal negligence is a very specific term. Right. It's basically manslaughter. Like that's as low as you might be able to get. So. Uh, the cops don't look great. Prosecution doesn't look great. So this, I kind of want to like maybe tangent on this for just two seconds. This is one of the most frustrating aspects of the system, in my opinion. Um, so, for example, Robert Durst, he was only found guilty for dismemberment, not murder. But it's like you can't have both or you can't have one without the other. Right. But the trial is not about if he pulled the trigger and it's killed about, someone, it's about the, if he cut up the body. Yep. And he was a lucky son of a bitch that had a jury that could emotionally differentiate between the two. Mm-hmm. But in Jason Lowe's case, he's saying, yeah, I have a history of assault. I have a laundry list of circumstantial evidence stacked against me, but I'm smarter than you. And I'm going to try and get out of this. Yep. So the loopholes and technicalities of being <laughs> a criminal justice justice attorney, I'll, I'll never let go of. But um. I guess, I don't know if I'm explaining myself correctly. So I guess I just mean that the bigger picture is lost when it comes down to trying and charging people for such specific things like criminal negligence. Just because the trial isn't about Christine's assault or Jason's drug use or his mental health, those factors still all need to be considered within this trial because without them, he could go free. Yep. It's almost like... Especially when the judge and jury aren't privy right. to everything. That's not fair. When the conviction is ruled out, it's, it, it doesn't feel like a full right. justice. Like, you because, know. Yeah. You know the background. Like, Robert Durst basically, I know this has, this has nothing to do with it. I'm trying to just compare it a little bit. He killed his wife, his best friend, probably killed the guy he dismembered. None of that was admitted in court, though. Right. So if you see my point, like you just can't leave things out because you're trying someone on one small part of a larger crime. Yeah, it's it's a silly way our justice system works, but it's enough that in certain cases a killer might walk free or walk with parole. It's it's just. But I also I know that that works both ways, and sometimes the right. other evidence isn't necessary, and it becomes petty. Yeah. And, you know, we're all adults. We should be able to differentiate between a history of violence versus someone's sexual orientation being a mitigating factor in a trial. Right. Because people 
I don't even want to go into it. the staircase. It doesn't even matter. Right, right, right. So that was just all my point that they turn this into it's not Jesse's murder. It's what he did within her murder. And I think that that's very frustrating because it should just be about her. Yeah. And I know that the law is the law and you it it just it really hurts my soul because it's just not right. She gets the victim. Right. She gets lost. She gets the short end of the stick. Exactly. Yep. So as you probably guessed, maybe not. But Jason testifies. Uh, this is what he allegedly or this is what he said allegedly happened to Jesse. After spending the weekend house sitting together for a mutual friend, Jesse and Jason return home. <laughs> I can't even say the sentence without laughing. They decide to take GHB, aka the date rape drug. Well, they decide to take right, it. Right, right, right. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. His attorney claims, and I actually don't mind his defense attorney, but you, you, because you can sense his doubt, but you're also just like you're full of shit, man. His attorney claims that it creates a sense of euphoria and a heightened sexuality. No, it doesn't. It makes you pass out. I'm guessing he knows from personal experience, obviously. Right. Or he's just like looking up what kind of. Right, right, right. What are psychedelics? Okay, if you're not using it to date rape someone, it's evidently used with, for people with extreme insomnia. Okay. And maybe in those cases, they've gotten, you know, feedback that they felt turned on yeah. or like super high. But, but like, like mostly it makes you sleep. fucking pass out. That's yeah. the whole point is to drug someone so you can fuck them. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't know, man. I don't know what people are into, oh but that's God. been like the whole point. Anyway, Jason says that they decide to go take a shower. Shower time turns into sexy time. And in the midst of all of that, Jason slips. And in turn, Jesse slips as well and cracks her head on the porcelain bathtub. That's a goddamn lie. You don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, we've all fucked in a shower and it's yes. a little risky, but. But on a date rape drug, a date rape right, drug right, right. You don't, is a you don't date do that. rape drug. You You're cannot not like, stand. I'm, I'm mobile. I'm walking. I'm going to go take a sh-. You don't do I that. I took two melatonin one time and the, my boyfriend at the time had to prop my body up while I brushed my teeth. I was Woof. immobile. Yeah. Two okay. melatonins. And I had, I've done plenty of drugs, so I'm not just like <laughs> a virgin body. Like. I no, haven't, that's and bullshit. I still don't think that's a great idea. That's, it's bullshit. You, she did not have the... Exactly. She was yeah. not able to willingly no. stand up or get into the shower. She looked 100 pound, 110 pounds soaking wet. Like, she wasn't... Fuck no. Yeah. No, she, this, he's a liar. Yeah. Okay, continue. I'm sorry. Um, so she hits her head on the porcelain bathtub. Jason said, Jesse definitely felt woozy. She had a headache, etc. So instead of, you know, going to a hospital, getting an MRI or worrying that she might have a concussion, you know what they do, Cassie? They take some more GHB and go to bed. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. that what happens? Because yeah. I've never won. <laughs> I've never in my life. And I've been around plenty of drug addicts, <laughs> plenty of druggies. Never once in my life met someone who has willingly taken GHB. So. Right. Fuck you, you're a liar. Yeah. Piece of shit, Jason. But, you know, he hasn't taken that much because Jason says he's woken up pretty early by a knock at the door. Oh, really? Right. After two doses right. of GHB? Right, oh, exactly. Okay, okay, right. okay. Cool, cool, but, cool. But, I mean, you know, he's a guy, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His DNA's different. He's a really late sleeper. Mm-hmm. GHB doesn't affect him that much, and women should just watch what they're wearing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Who's at the door? It's Cowboy. 
He brings him inside, tells him he's worried that Jesse is dead because he can't wake her up. This is when essentially he puts all the blame on Cowboy and tells the jury that Cowboy told Jason that they needed to get the body out of the house. And if they called the police, that they'd both be implicated in her death since she had drugs in her system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cowboy allegedly suggests that they load up his car or excuse me, load her up in his car, Jason's SUV, Jesse's body and drive her out to Farmersville to his uh, property. But, you know, at the last second, Jason gets cold feet and just, you know, cash leaves Jesse's body in his car for eight days. Just, you know, I forgot. Who says this? Cowboy says this? This is Jesse. Or excuse me. This is Jason giving his testimony in court saying that Cowboy told him, hey, yeah, we're going to both be implicated. Take her to my property. Let's bury her out there. But then Jason says, I don't know. I, I couldn't I couldn't go through with it. So I just left her in my trunk for eight days. Mm, yeah, that's, that's not real. Right. That's where the smell came from. The smell comes from after one day, after eight days. Well, when you can't fumigate your house enough to get that smell out. The cops came and were in his garage. That was the uh, remnant smell was her. That's uh, eight days. That's dead, not a, it's not a remnant smell. Meat. It's it's more. She wasn't in there. But well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But after eight potent. days, uh, uh-uh. yeah, that's yeah. He admits to literally doing nothing with her body until the police contacted him on the phone. So, aka, he drove around with the dead body in his car for eight days. That's not real. Um, this is when he said that after he got the phone call from the police, um, saying I don't control her, I haven't talked to her, blah 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 is when he allegedly called up Cowboy and decided to finally take her out to uh, Cowboy's property. The state isn't buying it. Prosecutors claim that they thoroughly vetted Cowboy and believe that uh, he had no knowledge of Jesse's death. Remember, he completely projectile vomited when he heard about it. Um, Nor did he take any part in her murder in any shape or form. And during cross-examination, the state calls Jason out on a plethora of scandalous chat messages and nude photos of other women and of himself, which initially kind of sounded just like simple character assassination, but then they mentioned that all of the messages and photos were exchanged after what would have been the date of Jesse's death. Mm. Basically placing emphasis on the fact that he obviously didn't care about her at all. Right. Just like Scott Peterson... Buying no, porn Lindsay. channels two days after Lacey yeah. is missing. Yeah. Um, let's see. Jason's defense attorney will claim that his behavior was due to emotional overload and stress of what happened, a.k.a. Scott Peterson. What? It was how Jason coped with her death and the circumstances surrounding it. Wait, the death that he caused? Are they still denied? Okay, I'm sorry. She, Marina, <laughs> Maria <laughs> Elena Salinas, yes. asks him, I think she asked, like, do you think, um, I don't know, if he's guilty of murder? And he basically said, I think he had something to do with it, but I don't think it was full-on murder. So, I mean, his own attorney is basically like, yeah, this guy. Up. He's like, it's yeah. not murder, it's manslaughter or something. <laughs> yeah, He did something. Um, Christine Chambers would never get a chance to testify against Jason Lowe, even after attending every day of his trial. Wow. But in the end, the jury didn't believe his story and found him guilty of murder on September 20th, 2017. Fuck yeah. Bummer alert. What? The catch is that he was only sentenced to 50 years. It's possibility of parole, I'm assuming. The anonymous tip 
of where her body was located was actually submitted by Jason, Jason himself as a part of a deal struck with the state months prior. In exchange for her location, he'd only received 50 years with the possibility of parole. Interestingly enough, that information was not given to the jury before the trial. And that's fucked up. That should 100% be given to the jury. That's admissible in court. The but murderer they wouldn't have a case the the body. without mm. her body. They knew that the charges would be dropped because they went so hard and said, first degree murder, boom, 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 without any evidence. And so they knew if we don't make a deal with this guy to find her body, we don't have shit and he's going to walk free and we can't charge him again. So now we hope we're at the mercy of each new judge elected at whatever point his parole comes up. Whoever's on the parole board at that point and whatever judge is presiding is going to have to look over and what if he's what if he's really good in prison? What if he's oh, like just he a is. really good he boy? He has perfect attendance, it's fine. Right. Christine Chambers holds on to some serious guilt for not keeping charges pressed on Jason. She says, quote, it's so important. I'm not going to cry again. You got it. Especially now for women across the world to not hide anymore. We don't need to hide anymore in the shadows of these monsters. (sighs) Gary, fucking dad of the year, in the midst of his tears, says, quote, that son of a bitch took my soul. He took my life when he killed my daughter. He killed me, too. My life is not the same. It's destroyed our family. Um, sorry. <laughs> Maria Elena Salinas wraps up the show with a somewhat corny yet tasteful dig, in my opinion. She says, quote, we will never know whether or not this tragedy could have been prevented. But one thing the story makes clear. Fuck. Is that victims of domestic abuse continue to face incredible challenges in seeking justice. And the price we pay for that is deadly. Jason Lowe's latest release date is 5-11-2066, and his, um, he is eligible for parole on 5-11-2041. He is currently at the Robertson Unit in Abilene. Questions and theories. <clears throat> Man, sorry for all the tears. These are statements made by some of Jesse's friends, co-workers, relatives. Jesse had actually been living with her long-term boyfriend when she up and moved to Texas to be with Jason. He was handsome, had two college degrees, and was ambitious. For Jesse, it wasn't just a new love, but a ticket to a more exciting life. When Jason went to Dallas for a six-figure job in the tech industry, Jesse decided she would join him and pursue her own dream of cosmetology. She thought of it more as an adventure, like I'm going to try something new. But Jessie failed to mention that she was about to go to Dallas when she saw her family that Christmas. Gary Bardwell, her father, says, I had no clue of what was going on. She knew that um, she was fixing to leave for Texas and I would have done everything I could to try and talk her out of it. Shortly after the holidays, Jessie left for Texas and suddenly the girl who always had her iPhone was now never on it. You couldn't reach her. It just went from uh, hearing from her a lot and talking to her to nothing. The moment that I really started to worry was when her phone number was cut off 
And everything that we or everything that we talked to her about had to go through Jason. The only way to get Jesse on the phone was to call Jason's phone or the house phone. They would come to find out that Jason was monitoring all her calls. Eventually, every time Gary called Jesse, he only got Jason. Gary finally got his chance to meet Jason Lowe two months after Jesse moved to Texas. Jason and Jesse came to Pascagoula, Mississippi, I believe. I don't know if that's how you say it, but uh, for a visit. Gary even tried to persuade Jesse not to go back to Texas. Uh, This is a conversation between Gary and Jesse. I remember Jesse was hugging me more than normal, and I was going, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I I definitely want to go back to Texas. I just want you to be proud of me, you know? They left. I watched the car drive away. So um, I say all of that because this is a uh, clear case of domestic abuse and coercive control. No woman, like we've said, in her right mind would take GHB recreationally. Um, He had a history of this behavior and... As happy as I am that her body was recovered, I am sad that it was at the expense of his possible parole and freedom. Um, I think he probably manipulated her to move there with him. He eventually gained control of her entire life, cut off all communication with her friends and family, and I think she probably hit a breaking point and was going to leave him. So he killed her. How? I, I really don't know, but... I don't really have much else to say unless you do. I just, again, kind of wanted to tell her story. And I think uh, the, the, the climate that we live in right now and just what we've seen for victims uh, is just really heightening how sad this case is. Because, I mean, abusive partners like this, they're either very charismatic mm-hmm. or very manipulative. Or both. I mean, I'm I'm really sad about this case. I'm sad about all of our cases, but this one sucks so much because there was a victim before Jesse, mm-hmm. and people forget about she, her. Yeah, and she couldn't come out because of what was done to her life in she her was efforts shamed. to speak about him. Yeah, and she it's, was made to think that. It didn't happen, that she was being unrealistic, yeah. that she was being dramatic. And we're seeing that at a national fucking spotlight right now. Like, our fucking president has been accused of sexual assault credibly uh, 15 to 20 times. I think 20 is the most. It's, and then it's just, it doesn't, if you just pay attention to your friends, just pay attention to what's going on in mm-hmm. their lives. If they start, um, making not, drastic changes yeah. like up and moving for a random guy that they've known for two weeks being unresponsive to mm. your messages or ple- like sure you can be wrapped up in a relationship and not hang out as much uh, but you shouldn't be cut Dude, off from the world she was my age we are the exact same age and that's it was really weird we are in the demographic um, gender wise fucking age-wise we're we're in the demographic of people that we cover that are victims of these cases so it sucks especially with the national voice being victims don't matter christine 
had every fuck she did she had the police telling her that yeah immediately that day that fucking day they put her in front of her abuser and said you're being hysterical completely inappropriate and this was uh, that's why i asked again what the year was like if it was 1990 it would not even understood but like yeah it makes sense but 2016 2015 2016 that's that's like that's five seconds ago we were doing this podcast a year ago mm-hmm. so a year ago this was a year old case mm-hmm. and we've been talking about this shit from the fucking beginning women are not listened to men rapists sexual abusers they're not prosecuted or they're paroled and they're not taken care of in prison they yeah. are prosecuted somewhat appropriately and they are put in jail but they are not rehabilitated and that has what we've been stating since the beginning yep is there needs to be an interim sort of rehabilitation education help some sort of something yeah to prevent this from happening again if you're going to parole these people they and need to get out with they, some they sort of They should have counseling. a life. Yeah. I'm not saying to deprive them forever because that's inhumane. Then rehabilitate them. Right. Actually do it. It's sad. It is sad. Fucking, man, fuck you, Jason. I told you you were going to hate this one. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse. All right, yeah. Jesse. Oh, please I, tell I believe, me about uh, her. I don't really know too much about her. Okay. She's beautiful. She has long, gorgeous, natural blonde hair. Aww. She's literally gorgeous skin, gorgeous smile. Uh, she looks just like her dad, but female Aww, form. Like she's Gary. Yeah. Gary. Jesus. Oh, fuck. I believe her middle name is Merle. M-E-R-L-E. Jesse Merle Garner Bardwell. She was born again September. We just mentioned September being a weird kind of uh, true crime month. September 10th, 1988. She would have turned... Uh, 30 just uh, I guess last year and she is buried out in Mississippi and that's literally it I have a bunch of wonderful pictures of she and her father um supposedly they had this untouchable connection and relationship that anyone could ask for and uh Jason Lowe you took advantage of a uh, great person so go fuck yourself <laughs> <laughs> yeah Wow, are we both on our period or no, that was a man joke. <laughs> we could be. Well, I'm just going to go drink our wine and grab our tissues and watch Lifetime. <laughs> and plot to murder you. Everything <sighs> is terrible and awful and we thank you for riding along with us and remembering the terrible mm-hmm. and awfulness. Please take that to the polls, please. That will wrap up episode 38. 38. Thank you, thank you for listening. Um, where to find us on social media. I always mess that up. Social media will be put in the show notes as well as where to donate to the podcast via PayPal. Don't forget to go vote. And uh, we'll be back next week with more Texas True Crime. And if anyone's anyone's listening, listening, happy happy Halloween. Halloween. Don't rape other humans. Thanks.